On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be chatting about workplaces because for the first time in modern history, four different identifiable generations of workers are in those workplaces, and this is creating some interesting conundrums, conundra, whatever the proper word is, for bosses and employers. How do you satisfy everybody from Gen Z brand new employees to baby boomers who are on their way out of the workplace? We'll talk about that tomorrow. Today, whenever you're listening to this, if it's Thursday, and if suddenly it sounds like Hamilton is under aerial attack, it is not. We'll explain what is going on and why those planes are flying so darn low. And if a player, if a professional athlete who is a great athlete jumps onto a great team to win a championship, is he a coattail jumper or is he someone still worthy of every bit the same amount of respect as any other great athlete? We'll chat about that as well. Stick around. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. If you're in the workforce these days, you probably have noticed that we live in some interesting times. Even if you're not in the workforce, if you're just from the outside looking in, if you've got kids who are, if you haven't quite made it there yet. Because for the first time, we are told, for the first time in modern history, we have four generations who are all in the workforce, in the modern workforce. Baby boomers are at the back end. Generation X, millennials, and Generation Z are now beginning their ascent into the workforce. This means that we are essentially covering a swath of people who are now working from teenagers into their 70s, maybe even beyond that, because as everybody knows, there is no forced retirement age anymore, so you can stick around. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to understand how this could create complications for employers, for bosses. When you have four different, very distinct groups of people with different values, different life experiences, maybe different morals, certainly different expectations about what work and their job is supposed to be. There's a story that came out today that got me thinking about this. Here's the the beginning of it. A new study surveying Canadian employees is calling for employers to work harder to keep their staff motivated after finding notable generational differences in employee satisfaction. So what does all this mean and how do we deal with this? I want to bring in Bruce Mayhew. He is of Bruce Mayhew Consulting. It seems to fit. Uh, He is a trainer, coach, professional speaker, specializing in soft skills like leadership, generational differences, difficult conversations, training, time management, and email etiquette. Well, we may have him back for another day on the email etiquette thing, but for today, it's on this one. Bruce, thanks for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Who is dominating the workplace right now? If we have these four different generations, who is the one or is there one that really is at the, the centerpiece of this? Well, millennials are certainly taking over the employee market. Boomers have had it. Uh, they've run with the baton for uh, for pretty much all of their professional life. And this is the first time that they now uh, are, are being surpassed in numbers in the workforce. Is that creating difficulties when you have when you have to pass that baton? It's certainly creating difficulties for some boomers <laughs> out there that aren't used to... Uh, having other people playing in their own sandbox kind of thing um but and your your intro is very right there's uh, we have different groups now with different values different desires and different needs and that's what's really creating the 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 spin out in the market because when the boomers were the only dominant workforce boomers grew up in a in a time where they were they uh, everything that they had was 
what everybody else had, and that what they wanted was what everybody else wanted. And uh, millennials, as an example, uh, not to shy away from the, the Gen Xers, but for the most part, millennials grew up in a time where choice and variability was was uh, at the forefront. Individualism. Absolutely. And so that's what's creating a little bit of a of a shakedown is that you know you you get into a workplace and and uh, you know I'm a boomer so I'm not trying to beat up on boomers but uh, um, boomers aren't used to other people wanting something that's different from what they want. Well, is that could you not say that about almost any generation though? I mean, look, when we were kids, we thought our parents were stodgy and stoic and couldn't yeah. be budged and had their way of doing things and didn't want the world to change. I think every generation has been that, and it just happens that as we look right now, the boomers are the one at the back end of this. Yeah, you're yes, you're right, Scott. But I would say the the choice has grown exponentially. And that's what the spin is. That's where where things get a little bit fuzzy is because there's just so much choice and so much variability, so much individuality, individuality, sorry. Uh, it, uh, it really creates a, a unique environment where you can't take anything for granted. Let us go through some of these if we can. And, and we'll, we've got a break coming up in a minute. We may not get, we won't get through all four of these right away, but we'll pick it up after the break. But sure. generally, in, in broad sweeping terms, what do boomers want out of work, out of their sure. job? Well, what they want now uh, is they want stability. They want to get to the finish line. They, they want to uh, still be identified as, as a leader, as somebody who knows what they're doing who has achieved success, uh, you know, but they also want the fringes, like they want the good things. So they, they want to be able to have the nice car, they want to be able to go to the cottage, they want to be respected, all of those kinds of things, which isn't that different from what they wanted a long time ago. What do Gen Xers want? Gen Xers want a chance. Um, and I, I, I say that a little bit in fun and a little bit not. Uh, Gen Xers were promised 15, 20 years ago that boomers were going to retire when they were 55, and that never happened. Uh, economy went bust and all kinds of other things happened, and boomers decided to stick around. And so Gen Xers have been waiting, and uh, I think that they want their chance. What are millennials looking for? Millennials, uh, millennials want to be respected and valued at work, and that's one of their top uh, uh, goals when they're at the office. They also want opportunities to learn. They are, those are top of the line things that millennial that engage millennials that keep them at an employer's that really turn them on because they've been driven their whole life to learn. They want to simply keep learning. And Gen Z, what do they now? I mean, many of them maybe they don't even know yet because many of them are very young and just beginning to get into the workforce. But if they do, what are they looking for? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right on that. The, the, the oldest Gen Zs are just in their early 20s and just getting out of university into the workforce. So we're still a little bit unclear on what's going on with them. They seem to be profiling very much from a work perspective like millennials are, but the type of work that they want to do is a little bit different. They, they want to be more hands-on. They want to be more creative. They want to, to, to build things. And typically, they're, de- they're demonstrating themselves as being a little bit more conservative than millennials are. There is, uh, reading a bunch of things about this today, and, and there's a couple things I want to get to. We only have a limited amount of time. But sure. one of them is, 
baby boomers traditionally, and correct me anywhere I go wrong here, traditionally have been pretty stable, pretty loyal. You join a company, you stay there, you work with that company. Not always, but many people, many baby boomers will have been with their employer for a long, long time. Younger people who are coming in, there is seems to be anyway no sense that that is an obligation or that's what you're going to do. You're going to be expected to bounce around. When you have people of those two generations butting heads or working together, how does that work? Uh, it, it's it's an interesting aspect of, at the work environment because uh, you're right. Boomers are expected have always expected to stay loyal with an organization and for that organization to be loyal to them, which sort of went a little bumpy in the 90s. Um, and, but what we're dealing with now, from a from a workplace perspective, is is that that millennia, we can't expect somebody to join our company and stay with us for twenty, thirty, or forty years. Uh, the you know if we can stick with somebody, or if we can have somebody stick with us for five years, we're doing pretty well with that. Uh, and if you know if it goes a little bit further than that, then all the all the better for us. But we're certainly not looking at lifetime employment anymore. Those in the younger generations, uh, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm 95 years old here. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But the younger of these four that are in the mix, uh, many of them, when you poll them, they're saying one of the big things they want out of their job is they want to make a difference. What, how do you do that? How do you allow that? How do you make that happen if you're a boss? Because that, that seems to be difficult, especially if you're in a business that isn't necessarily changing the world. Right. And the, the make a difference thing happens both at a root level and as a global level from an organization perspective. So uh, making a difference can be as easy as somebody saying or a leader saying to to their millennial employee, as an example, uh, you you were really helpful in that meeting today. You brought up some good points and made a difference. That is as much as sometimes uh, somebody needs to feel like they're making a difference. So it's not like they have to uh, create a new app or or change the world or or for a big project to succeed. It's even on a daily basis or a weekly basis. They need to know that they made a difference at work, and and that's where that's one of the places that boomers have a little bit of a challenge with uh, because we're not used to being able to dole out recognition at that at that organic level. And, and again, going back into the workplace though, when you have people who are now, let's say in their 70s, who are used to a certain life, a certain way the world worked, and a certain things that were valuable, things that mattered, and now you've got younger people coming in who, as you say, maybe their big idea is, I want to develop an app. And for someone who's 70, you go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, <laughs> whether it is or isn't. Um, th- this seems to be, when I hear all this, my first reaction, maybe wrong, is, not or getting rid of the mandatory retirement age seems like it really, really complicated a lot of things. I, I'm not so certain, Scott. Like, I, there, there's not that many people who are in their 70s that are actively working. And from my experience, the ones that are are pretty open-minded. Uh, you know, there's there's certainly the you know the the person who owns their own company and doesn't want to let it go and. That, you know that they and they want everything to stay the same there's a few of those that are out there but my experience is that the the people that are still in the market and want to stay in the market they're actually a little bit more open minded and and looking to participate actively in trying to figure out how to make how to make work work 
um, a lot of the boomers that are out there, they still want to have fun. They like they've always had fun when they were younger, and they're they're approaching their retirement. They don't want to approach their retirement and, and be dull. They want to approach their retirement and be cool. They they mm. want to have they want to have the the latest gadgets and all of those kinds of things. Bruce, I've got fifteen seconds. I wish we had more time. But one thing I have not heard you mention, especially with the younger generations in work, haven't heard you say much about money. Money is not a big thing for uh, for for uh, for uh, millennials, as an example. They want to be fa- paid fairly. Absolutely, they want to be paid like everybody else. But being respected, having opportunities to learn, work-life balance, interesting and challenging work—those are what's topping the the list for millennials. And that also is, frankly, what's topping the list for every generation. Interesting. And if you're the owner of a company, you just heard Bruce say this, you go, oh, good. No more money. We'll just give them (laughs) plaudits and pats on the back and we're all good. I don't think it's quite like that. Uh, Bruce Mayhew from Bruce Mayhew Consulting. You can go to his website, brucemayhewconsulting.com. Read all about him there. Learn more. Bruce, I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Thanks for this. My pleasure. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Tomorrow night, around seven o'clock, a little after seven o'clock, if you are up in the Ancaster area, or quite frankly, pretty much large parts of Hamilton. If you're not paying attention to the sky, you may just hear what's going to happen. And that, that may lead you to believe that we are under aerial assault. The enemy is not coming, as far as we know. This is a planned thing. And I want to bring in Dave Rohr, who is the chairman and CEO of the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum, uh, to explain what's going on and to, um, Dave, probably to calm some nerves tomorrow when at 7 o'clock uh, the entire house starts rattling and shaking, depending on where you are in the city. Thanks for doing this today. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, we were just talking about something in the bureaucracy of the military that was incredibly stupid. Let's flip that and talk about something that's really cool here, because this is uh, this is a really cool thing. Tomorrow, well, walk us through what's happening tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, uh, every year, the Hamilton Golf and Country Club... Uh, with their, you know, at their own cost, put on a Veterans Day golf tournament and dinner with a service uh, of remembrance after between the uh, after the golf and before the dinner. And uh, 424 Squadron, which is our search and rescue squadron based in uh, Trenton and also the city of Hamilton Squadron, uh, is going to fly over that service at 707 tomorrow in, uh, in the Hercules uh, four-engined uh, transport airplane that they use for search and rescue in this area. And they're going to be joined with our Lancaster, and uh, we're going to we're going to fly over the service uh, in remembrance of uh, veterans and uh, who have served, and those who are still uh, active service members of the Canadian Armed Forces. And uh, so, when you look up, you'll see these two big four-engine aircraft flying. Uh, w- w- the Lancaster will be at a thousand feet above the ground, and the Air Force has permission to fly at five hundred feet above the ground. So if you uh, if you look up, uh, you'll hear them before you see them. <laughs> you will. It's not uh, it's not the enemy. It's out. We're we're all on everybody's side here, and we're just saluting all those who have served our country so so well. We all around here are pretty familiar with the Lancaster. I'm sure we've all seen it in the air, and we know what it looks like. We know what it sounds like. The Hercules. It's a pretty big aircraft, right? It's a big airplane. It's a big four-engine uh, airplane, uh, turbine-powered airplane. That it's, it's uh, about. Uh, it's about the same size as the Lanky, except the fuselage is quite a bit bigger because it, it, it was built as a transport airplane. And, of course, it uses, uh, they fill it up with search and rescue gear and people when there are search and rescues in progress, unlike Ontario and Lake Erie prim- primarily. 
and 424, the city of Hamilton squadron uh, in Trenton, uh, does that. And they have an affinity, obviously, for Hamilton because it's the uh, city of Hamilton squadron. Stupid question, but uh, also a noisy aircraft, the Hercules? The Hercules is noisy. I think the length might be a little louder, but... Uh, but you can't miss the Herc. <laughs> but at fi- but the thing is, at 500 feet, 500 feet is not high off the ground. At 500 feet, when that thing comes by... You're going to know it. You're you will know it. it. You will know yeah. it. And, and and part of the reason I wanted to have you on is because, truly, at five, when was the last... What aircraft normally flies at 500 feet? Well, really, uh, only military aircraft, really, uh, because uh, all the civilian airplanes uh, have minimum altitudes and distances, and it's 1,000 feet above... Uh, the highest obstacle within 2,000 feet horizontally of your path. Uh, that's the regulation. So unless you're taking off or landing, and of course, of you're, course. you're lower. But but, uh, but for a lot of people, when they see this coming by tomorrow, part of the reason, as I say, I wanted to have you on is I expected that a number of people, when they see a plane flying at 500 feet, their first reaction might be something's wrong. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's not an abnormal thought uh, because it's not something you see every day. But in this case, it is... Uh, it's in a special uh, honor of our veterans. And then on June 6th, on the on the first day of the Canadian Open, because it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day that exact day, uh, there will be a fly past over the golf course again. And this time with uh, it'll be with uh, seven or six airplanes. And there'll be the Lank and the B-25 and a D-Day veteran C-47 transport airplane that we have. And with the C-17, which is even a larger four-engine cargo bird out of uh, Trenton. So that'll really be, and they're stopping play at 1210 on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, because because if they don't, well, I was going to say, if you weren't being deafened tomorrow, you will be deafened <laughs> on June the 6th. One way or another, we're going to ruin your hearing. You can't miss that one for sure. <laughs> and again, that's an honor of, uh, you know, Operation Overlord and the beginning of the invasion of France and uh, at the end of uh, the start of the ending of World War II. Uh, Dave, i got to let you go, but just out of curiosity, when these military planes fly overhead, is there a is there an etiquette for what you should do on the ground, or is it just stand and look? Uh, you know, there, it, it, for those that are at the ceremony, obviously, they'll be standing in silence, and the silence will be broken with the fly pass. But for the general uh, people just observing it, uh, just enjoy it and, and uh and thank those servicemen who are flying those airplanes and protecting our country. Dave Rohr, Chairman and CEO of the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum. Uh, your last name, Rohr, is so appropriate since you'll be pro- you're flying the Lank tomorrow. I uh, no, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm a veteran, so I'm gonna actually be at the All right. festivities. Uh, normally, you're up there though, so you'll you'll be deaf with the rest of us. But Dave, I appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Scott. Have a good night. Good. Uh, that listen again tomorrow, seven oh seven, when you see the planes go by. I'll be on the air here. We'll probably hear it here in the studio. There'll be that loud. But look up, and if you do hear the planes, you'll know what it's about. Don't panic. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in our good buddy, your good buddy, everybody's good buddy, from CHCH Sports, Bubba O'Neill. How are you today, sir? Not bad, sir. Not bad. No? Are you feel, feeling good about the Raptors? You're all up, upbeat and everything's good? Yeah, what a what a what a performance that was last night. Uh, I guess they really understood the, you know, how large the moment was, and uh, you know, with Kawhi Leonard sort of uh, dealing with that, you know, or at least pushing through that lower body injury that he has, uh, he got a lot of support from all of his teammates, and and uh, it was kind of like 
hey, this is the Raptors team that we saw for the better part of, of you know the regular season. Yeah, and I was mostly, of, of anything, I was most impressed at how the Raptors were able to push through an overabundance of Drake. Drake everywhere. Drake overload. We are we are drowning in Drake in the Raptors games right now. Are did we? you did, did you see what the what the uh, MLSE what the Raptors gave Drake yesterday before the game? Uh, that's today, wasn't it? There's that that wonderful diamond studded jacket. It, it was right. But the story came out today. But it was right before the game. A seven hundred and ninety five thousand dollar diamond encrusted blazer that the man will never wear. Give it to some poor kids. Give that money to a breakfast program somewhere. Anyway, we won't talk about Drake. I've, I've been draked out. And Drake giving the coach a massage and running up and down the sideline. I would love to see the referees tee up Drake one time and tee up the Raptors based on Drake. And Anyway. I, I, I got to say, Scott, I'm disappointed that, that, that that's your angle. Like, he, oh, that's that, not my angle. That, We're just that, that's a huge, that's a huge home ice, a home ice or home court advantage. Drake, if, if yeah, if he's annoying anyone, in, I mean, you can see the reaction from the Bucks today, and and Giannis Antetokounmpo's agent put out a statement. Like, if oh, did he? What did he say? I didn't see it. What did he say? He's annoyed. He's just basically annoyed with the whole thing, and <laughs> you know, and like this is no different than you know Spike Lee back in the day. True. And, and, and if you are getting underneath the skin of particular players on the opposition or the team, I, I'm all for it. Like we've got a wonderful worldwide star here in this country, and, and you know what? He supports the club, and the club supports him, and. And and it, it's been a good relationship. And the fans, when I watch all of that stuff, they love it. They're going crazy. And Murray never did this. <laughs> she sang Songbird. <laughs> Whatever that song was. <laughs> I want to see Ann Murray on the sidelines giving it to the other team. You know what, though? There was a time... Back in the 50s, I knew what I was talking about. You know what, though? There's been a time. I think it wasn't so much recently. I don't know how how she's doing these days, but I think it might have been two or three years ago. She was on Twitter and and kind of mean (laughs) during the postseason. I think it might have been to the Boston Bruins. And was getting a little salty towards the opposition. Uh, let's stick with basketball. I didn't want to talk about Drake. I just threw that out there to needle you a little bit and get under your skin because I know it always works. Um, but this this may do the same as well, though. In the if the Raptors get through this, and and I look the the Raptors have a, a reasonable shot of winning this series. They got to win a game in Milwaukee, and that's been a huge challenge. But they have a reasonable shot of winning this series. If they do, they run into Golden State. I don't give. Any team, I don't care who, I don't give the Hamilton, the Harlem Globetrotters a shot against the Golden State Warriors. That said, if the Harlem, now I've got myself saying the wrong team all over the place. If the Golden State Warriors win another championship, as I think everybody expects them to, does Kevin Durant become the most asterisk-laden star in history because they've shown that they could win before he got there. They would have shown that they could win after he got there. He jumped from the opposition to a team to ride some coattails and win a championship. For him to have his reputation kept intact, they have to, if not lose, have a huge battle with whoever makes it to the final. Or else if they run the table again and sweep like they did with Portland, Kevin Durant looks ridiculous. Well, I I find it unusual that you, 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 uh, you, Focused on them winning with you, them winning without him, and them possibly winning 
with without him, no without, without him, him again. But you but you didn't you, you didn't seem to mention when they won with him and that he was the MVP. Kevin Durant is the best player on that team. That, like, come on. No, he's a great player. He, There's no, no question no, he's, he's a great, a great player. player. He's one of the top five players in the league. Don't disagree. Like, right? All right. I don't so, disagree. So, so the, you know, this is just a – we're seeing something in sports that really we haven't seen in many, many, many years. We're talking about five straight finals appearances. They're remarkable. All right. This is remarkable by not just basketball standards, any standards, anyone getting, I guess, maybe the Islanders getting to this. They may have been the last one. And then before that, I mean, look, you could say the Buffalo Bills football is, I think it's harder to do something like that. So them going to four Super Bowls would be the equal or better. You know, like, like you know, these, these are incredible feats and they've got a team that are in unbelievable harmony with each other and when Kevin Durant is there you know it's Kevin Durant's team there's no doubt about it in terms of in terms of you know who gets the first shot and all that kind of stuff because he's the best player on the team now I what makes this story remarkable is that when come time that if he leaves or or if he becomes hurt or whatever the situation is like it is right now he's hurt that they can summon up enough to 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 have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson lead lead the team, like this is incredible. So I think this is just an unbelievable something that we just don't see very often in sports. I think it should be celebrated. Well, I look, I I, I give all the credit to Golden State. They are, I think, un, inarguably the best team in sports right now, regardless of what sport you're in. I don't think there's a team that is more dominant than them. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Durant was on the opposition. They had already won, what, two championships? And he decides to jump to them. They keep winning, no doubt about it. That's fine. And then if they win again without him this time because he's out with an injury, it just shows, to me, it just shows this is a guy that didn't want to win on his own. He jumped to a winner. It's like To me, it's like Roger Clemens joining the Yankees. the situation that we talk about, you know, we talk about harmony, right? And a team like the Golden State Warriors, that are Warriors that are great at sharing the basketball, uh, you know, their egos somehow, and because this is hard in sports, their egos seem to mesh despite how many all stars there are. Usually, but, but <laughs> what we saw when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder was a guy that was extremely ball dominant in Russell Westbrook that did not share the basketball, and at the time. When he became a free agent, he opted to go somewhere else. This isn't just Kevin Durant that signed the contract. It was offered to him by the Golden State Warriors. So if you're going to be critical, you got to be critical of Durant and the team as well. I, no, I agree. But when he decided to go somewhere, he didn't decide to go somewhere that would say, you know what, we're going to knock off that team. He jumped to the already existing powerhouse that essentially he had no chance almost not to win championships. That's, that's Right, because the situation was not very good in Oklahoma City. But there are and, 30 and other teams. Star, and the two stars did not get along. But there are 30 other teams, and he right. chose to go to the one that guaranteed Guaranteed him a championship. Well, nothing's a guarantee. Was it a guarantee when they lost to Cleveland? They were still there. They lost. They lost to Cleveland, Scott. They did. They did. Let me ask you this. Do you feel the same way about Ray Bork? Yeah. Oh, I hated when Ray Bork left to go to Colorado. I really did. I would have rather... Now, I'm not Ray Bork, and I don't have a cup ring on my finger, but I think Ray Bork's legacy is probably better if he doesn't leave, if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup but plays his whole career with the Boston Bruins. Oh, I do. I, I really do. He's a Hall of Famer. 
Oh, he's a Hall of Famer regardless. Of course he is. But if you are a one-team guy, Mm -hmm. uh, you are, to me, Ray Bork's legend and his legacy and everything else is not in one scintilla diminished if he doesn't win the Stanley Cup because he stayed with the Boston Bruins. Not one bit. But as an athlete, Scott, what what do you want to do? You want to go somewhere where you have the best opportunity at winning, right? I don't know about who likes to lose. Uh, you know, like you look at a guy like Anthony Davis right now, who is, you know, a year away from free agency. He, he's been there for six years, right? I'll use another example. Chris Bosch was here, signed two different contracts to stay here in Toronto when the Raptors were really not a contending team. Actually got to the playoffs, I believe, once with him there. And, and they were, you know, heavy underdogs the years that they got, that, that he did get there. And after fulfilling his commitment to the team, as I said, signed two different contracts, he wanted to go somewhere where he had an opportunity to win, to win. And if you're good enough, you're going to get that opportunity because you will be wanted. Not only will you want to go somewhere, but someone, some team will want you. Now, Nothing's okay. a guarantee. So the Ray Bork thing, to his defense, although I, I hated it, to his defense, he didn't jump to a team that had already won two or three Stanley Cups in a row. He went to a team that hadn't won, so he had to help oh, them get there. They only had sacking four. They were, no, they, they were, were loaded. They were they, loaded. But... Now, Anthony Davis, who is with the New, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are a crappy team right now and wants to move. If Anthony Davis were to demand that he could only be traded to the Golden State Warriors, I would be pooping all over that guy. Now, he says, I'll go to New York Knicks. I'll go to L.A. Lakers, whatever else. That, to me, is, okay, I want to be out of this situation but I am not jumping, just jumping on coattails. I will help a team that can't already win get there. That, to me, I can respect that. Even though you don't like where you are, I can at least respect the fact that you want to lead a team somewhere. That's the difference to me. I think there was a lot of people that were very curious, and there were actually a lot of people out there that when Kevin Durant went to uh, Golden State that thought it wouldn't work because of the egos because that there was a ball-centric guy and, and Steph Curry there and, of course, his sidekick and Clay Thompson um, that did, they didn't think it was going to work. And he had in a dream on green as well, too. Four all-star players, you know, possibly for, throughout their career, first-team all-stars, and they thought it wouldn't work. And if, again, I will continue to say this, it takes two to dance. If Kevin, Kevin Durant could have wanted to go there, as he might have wanted to do, but it also takes the it also takes the Golden State Warriors saying, "Yeah, we're we're going we'd like to have you too." Yep. Yep. Well, we'll see. I I I the guys who jump just to win, I always have a difficult time with that. I would rather now. And again, I know I'm not the guy who doesn't get to wear a ring. Then that's not. And so I'm saying this from a distance. But uh, to me, I would have more respect. I would like it more if you, even if you stayed and didn't win, if you stuck with it and kept battling where you are, or or on another team that you could help, not just be on the coattails. Roger Clemens was the same when he joined the Yankees. It was like, come on. you are a good enough player that you can help another team. You don't need to jump on the coattails to get there. That's, that what, was my thought. What about, what about John Tavares? Uh, John Tavares joined a Leaf team that, last I checked, it's been 52 years since they even won a playoff absolutely, game. Absolutely, absolutely. But a team, <laughs> no, 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 I, I agree with you there. But I'm, I'm just saying that also was a team that is definitely, at the time, at the time, looked like a much better fit uh, sure. to get a Stanley Cup run in as they were favorites. They, they were, hey, remember the, when the Leafs were the best team in hockey, like for a time? 
and the people had them as uh, if I remember correctly, was there not a time where Vegas had them pegged to win to, to get to the Stanley Cup and win the Stanley Cup? After Tavares joined them, though, not okay. bef- uh, not before he well, chose to do that. We, well, we knew it was going to happen if he went there, but he did. He could have. Sl- and of course, at that time, we all thought that oh my goodness, the, or- the 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 Islanders are done. They're in trouble. They're horrible. And which they had been. They had made the you know they made one. And they were pretty good when they had. Know, and then look what happened. Right, so so you know, do we criticize John Tavares for leaving? You know, a, what would appear to be a horrible situation uh, on Long Island. But but that one, and it's a good example for sure. But that one, he's joining a team that has not done anything. It's it's similar to uh, guys who joined the Chicago Cubs before they went on a run. They'd been a hundred and eight years or whatever it was without winning a championship. I don't think that joining them at any point anyone could say you're coattail riding. It was a good team. It was a stacked team, but always something goes wrong with the Cubs. Always something goes wrong with the Leafs. So, um, you know, it, look it. it it is an interesting one. I, I will be interested to see mm-hmm. when this whole thing is done. If the, if the Golden State Warriors get through this, and if Durant can't play, what Kevin Durant's legacy is when he is done with basketball, if people look at him and say, uh, unquestionably one of the greatest players of his era, of his mm-hmm. generation, but if they look at him and say, that guy was an absolute winner, or if they say that guy was a fantastic player who jumped onto a team that guaranteed him wins rather than leading a team there. That, that's all I'm wondering about. I, I, I think he will get looked at as many players, as many players as a, a possible two- or three-time champion that's going to the Hall of Fame. If, oh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. Absolutely yeah. no question about it. And going back to Anthony Davis, if Anthony Davis suddenly pops up and gives a list and changes his list and says, okay, there's only three teams that I'm willing to go to, and lists off the top three teams in basketball. Again, I'll roll my eyes and I'll say, "Come on, come on! You are you are the guy who shouldn't be jumping on the coattails. You should be the guy that they are jumping on your coattails because you're going to lead them somewhere, some team." And and here's the thing: had it, had had um, Kevin Durant not gone to Golden State, let's say Kevin Durant had gone to some crappy team that was not even a playoff team. And suddenly that team turned around and became really, really good. Does that not, even if they don't win a championship, does that not enhance his legacy and his reputation more than this? No, I think winning championships enhances your legacy. Like, if I'm a great baseball player, you know, I would say, oh, you know what? I'd really like to go to Tampa Bay because I think they got, you know, I'd like them to build a team around me. Or in this case, you know, like the Blue Jays. Like, who does that? So if Mike you, Trout says, I want out of Los you, Angeles and I demand to go to uh, pick whoever you want, I, whoever's the best team in baseball right now, I can't even think of who's running away with things the, these days. the Red Sox. Red Sox. Well, they're, they're not that good right now, but okay, whoever. The, the, if you're Mike Trout and you demand, see, I look at that and I say, no, Mike Trout's the guy that you demand to play with if you're another player. You don't, he's not the guy. I, I lose respect for Mike Trout if he says, I want out of here and I want to go to a place that is going to all but guarantee me a championship. That, that to me, is no longer a guy who, uh, who is the same in my book. That, that's a guy who's looking for the easy path. So Bryce Harper was okay. I mean, I think, I mean, there's... Well, Bryce Harper, okay, look, Bryce Harper, uh, I, I've never understood the whole thing. Bryce Harper is a very good player. He's not one of the top 20 players in baseball. Uh, he's being paid like he is. Sure. But Bryce Harper is the most... 
current because you know who my all-time is. Uh, he is the most <laughs> overrated player in Major League Baseball probably in the last 10 years. Bryce Harper is. He is not a star player. He's a very good player when he's on, and when he's not on, he's not much better than a lot of the guys playing for the Blue Jays right now. Bryce Harper is leading the majors in strikeouts. I think he has seven home runs. He's got 20 RBI. He's playing in the lead cleanup spot for a team that has spent a ton of dough on him. He's batting like 220. He's barely <laughs> above the Mendoza is that, line. Is that not, sorry to interrupt, but is that just, you know, you can only be as good as your team, Scott. Like, you know, he's the only guy in the or- in that batting order that any pitcher would fear, really. Would like, you, you know, right now, you know? if you had a choice, leave aside the money for a second. If you had a choice right now, between taking Vlad Guerrero Jr., who has played 20 major league games, or Bryce Harper, who would you take if you could put him in the middle of your lineup? I'll take Bryce Harper. He's would you? More, I would more, take Guerrero. He's more, he's more valuable. He's more valuable on both sides of the field. I would take Guerrero. And the reason I would take Guerrero is because he doesn't, he hits home runs, but he also hits for average. Harper, it's all or nothing. Yeah, we're also concerned about, and I can say this, <laughs> we're also concerned about his, his physical stature, the weight that he plays of course. at. Yep. How much longer can he play at that? There's no doubt that Vladdy will not be a long, a two-way player for very much longer. I mean, I'm sure they'll be. By the time the Jays are, re- are good and ready to win, he'll be a DH. There's no way he'll be a third. Well, he may be, he may right? be like, 350 you know, by then, too. That's so. what I'm saying. So that's why I think i got to take Harper there, because I think in the long run he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, a, a pretty exceptional outfielder. Um, you know, hits certainly hits for power when he's good and ready, and and the potential for greatness is certainly there uh, for for him to continue to keep growing as a, as a baseball player. Now, I, what, I, I'd have to take him. What now? Back to the point for a second. We got to run here, but if somehow either well, it's either going to be Milwaukee or Toronto, but whichever team gets to the final, if they if Durant does not play, and if either of those two Eastern teams can either give Golden State a huge fight or somehow pull the upset of all upsets, which would be a Buster Douglas-level upset at this point over Mike Tyson, then I think the Kevin Durant story changes dramatically if he's not playing. Then it changes dramatically. I believe he's playing, though. I think, I think they already made that announcement that he, he will be ready for, for Game 1 of the Game 1 now. I think it's next Thursday. Something like that. They've had still have four weeks off, I think, or something before they play again. I mean, even hockey, too. Like, why do we have to wait till Monday? It's kind of stupid, isn't it? Like it just, it's a, the momentum just, it just slows right down. Well, you know why they have to give that much time? It's so that everybody can see that picture of Bobby Orr flying through the air against Glenn Hall and the St. Louis Blues a billion times before this final season or series starts. Well, I, I got that out of the way for me today. I, I, I showed that today, and I will not show that anymore. <laughs> I did a little digging today. We're going to talk about it on the show tomorrow, but I did a little digging today. And to my great dismay, because I was hoping the photographer who snapped that photo is no longer with us, because I really wanted to get him on the show, but I think he passed away about 15 years ago. So can't get him, but we'll be talking about the story behind it, because there is a terrific story behind that photo. We'll do that on the show tomorrow. Uh, Bubba O'Neill, always appreciate you coming on here. Thanks for doing this, my friend. Always a a pleasure there, my friend. You can see Bubba tonight, CHCH, 11 o'clock, news, weather, sports, fashion, entertainment, dance, whatever. He's doing it all. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8. On 900 CHML. 
The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. 911.